This is episode 11 of Spiritual AF with Pixie Rose, the podcast for people going on their spiritual journeys, knowing we are spiritual beings, having a human experience. Today on the podcast, I have Z. Z is an alchemist, a Reiki practitioner, QHHT practitioner, and host of Channels of the Galaxy on YouTube. So, welcome, Z, to Spiritual AF. Thank you. <laughs> Excited to be here. So, we could do a whole episode on exactly how we met, but long story short, we met in Egypt when we were doing our level two. QHHT training and since then we've stayed in close contact and I've just learned so much from you on so many different topics. You have inspired me in so many ways with your positive outlook on the current global situation, being able to remain in a high vibration and help manifest the new earth as well as the information that you and Michelle have been sharing on your YouTube channel. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for your friendship and for joining me today. So I'm so excited to ask you all the questions on asking questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And yes, that was a very short story for a long story. There's <laughs> yeah. potentially a whole episode there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's how we know each other. <laughs> Someday we'll have to do that episode, okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll build up to that one. <laughs> so I'd like to begin with a bit about you and your story and your spiritual journey. So how you got to where you are now, doing the things that you're doing now. Right. So I, I probably always considered myself a free spirit looking back at kind of my upbringing. I've always had that about me and people always called me a hippie. But I was not really a spiritual person. I didn't know what to believe. I came up in a Christian school and I really did not resonate with like what they were teaching me at all. And I'm kind of like that, my mentality and personality is to resist and to rebel. That's just my natural state. And so I did, I rebelled against that, but it didn't resonate though. What they were teaching me didn't resonate. And I had an anxiety about death and what happens after this life? I doesn't. I didn't know what to believe or what to think, because no one around me knew, and I didn't know where to really look for that. Well, I think it's just a series of bad relationships <clears throat> really kind of propelled me into a dark night of the soul, into a deep depression, and I was in that seeking, looking for kind of going to the route of substances just to feel something or to numb something. But I came across um, a documentary about DMT, which that blew my mind hearing, hearing what they talked about in that documentary. And they were connecting it and they were calling it the spirit molecule, saying that that molecule connects you to the spirit realm. And that was really intriguing to me. But in that spiraling down of messing with all the different kinds of substances and dealing with depression, I did come across um, LSD and, and psilocybin mushrooms. And it was in a synchronistic moment that it found me 
like right when I needed to find me. And that kind of cracked me open and allowed me to experience an ego death, which I didn't know what that was at the time. <laughs> and I also had uh, basically an NDE, a near death experience right around that same time, which the NDE, it allowed me to kind of gracefully go through that process, having had the ego death moment on a psychedelic. And so I was able to surrender to what I kind of experienced in those psychedelic states during the NDE and just, I kind of let happen what was gonna happen and just surrender to that moment. And that really propelled my awakening. And I felt like I was a new person from that moment on. And that kind of inspired me to do some research and trying to build a context with the things I was experiencing because I had no context for anything I was experiencing. It was just experiences. So I was just kind of in a sea and like drowning almost, just <laughs> not knowing where the heck to go. I had all these wonderful and magical experiences, but no context. So that led me to finding different spiritual teachers. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Ram Das. No. He was the very first one. He's um so he what was he a professor at harvard are you familiar with harvard yeah. in the state yeah. yeah so he was a professor at harvard and he was getting in to lsd and working with lsd with psychology and they kicked him out and then he just kind of in this kind of this parallel with me he took this major detour detour and went to the spiritual route and has written wonderful books. But one of the books that he wrote was Be Here Now. And it's still my favorite and closest to my heart. <laughs> it's all about mindfulness practices and just literally the title tells you, be here now. The present moment is where everything happens. And so I learned so much from him, but I still had this, I don't know, there was, there was something missing in that and he didn't get like that's the, the buddhism and the spiritual teachers in that aspect like him jack cornfield the uh, ragu marcus all these like buddhist kind of based spiritual teachers they were leaving out a big piece of the puzzle for me which now i know was these extra dimensional extraterrestrial beings that we've been connecting with and what those actually mean that was missing from, from, their, from their perspective. They didn't really touch on that. And I, I, I kept seeking beyond them. But I did learn so much from them and helping me work with my own ego and do my own inner work and you know, integrating the shadow and all of that, it's, it's wonderful. But I've kind of moved away from those teachers and they're still there, but I have that foundation. But it led me to search on my own and. Honestly, YouTube was a great tool for me and the Gaia network. Those two tools, I've found so much invaluable information. <laughs> and it was kind of just like the stepping stone thing. So YouTube led me to Elba Weinman and Allison Co. And their hypnosis videos they've posted on, you know, they'll post, I don't know what it was that they put a title that maybe like New Earth or something some title caught my eye because I did not, I was not searching hypnosis. I didn't even know that was a thing that 
you could enter these states, you could alter your consciousness through that. I didn't even know that. So I, I found Elba Weinman and was watching her videos just nonstop, just devouring all of it. And then I came across Alison Coe and I was finding hers with the event, talking about the event and New Earth and all this stuff. And she started talking about the technique that she used. So that got me really curious. And it was at the time she was doing the quantum hypnosis, hypnosis the QHHT technique, basically. So I was like, okay, wow, I'm going to look into this. I wonder if there's a practitioner anywhere nearby I could, I could find real quick. Cause I was like, I don't know. I got stuck in a full-time job. Um, and it, it really, I really lost sight of my spiritual journey and all the things I was doing kind of started falling away when I got into that full-time job. It was just, you just get lost in it sometimes. And those spiritual practices were falling away and I was losing sight of myself again. And just, I felt like I was going down the wrong path. I felt stuck. I was actually dealing with some physical issues, which I found out were because I was not moving in the direction I was supposed to be moving. And I found that out through a hypnosis session. <laughs> but I did find a practitioner um, pretty close, actually, just a couple hours. So I, I planned a trip, went up there, had the session, and it blew my mind. It was more than I ever expected it to be. And it, it, it was so cool how similar it was to some of the experiences I had on a psychedelic. But in this case, there was no substance. It was, there was nothing. It was just being guided through this journey in a hip, hypnotic state, which was amazing. But actually, the, the, before the hypnosis process, the interview process really intrigued me. In the interview, I was kind of getting hits intuitively of maybe this is something I should be doing. Because I feel, I started asking her questions and I actually started interviewing her. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> right, of course I did. Didn't even realize it. And it was like two hours into the session and she, hasn't, she hadn't even asked me anything. <laughs> It was, a, it was like a nine hour session, no <laughs> joke. It was so long. <laughs> but I was really feeling like, okay, well, and I could tell that she was feeling the same way as I'm, tr I'm asking her questions about her awakening and her story and how she got into all this. And it was just a, bit, a piece of the puzzle that fit right into place. Like, this just feels right. This just, this is, I wanna do this. So I asked her after the session, she actually mentioned to me like, I think you should look into doing QHHT. I was like, well, you read my mind. I was absolutely feeling that same thing. So then I asked her how, how to get, how to, I don't know, follow up on that. And where do I go? How do I get certified? Where do I go? So she told me take a class, but she recommended the in-person class. So I found a, a class that was in Atlanta, Georgia, a couple months down the road. So I scheduled that. And I don't know that that just started everything rolling for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna probably, I don't know, I don't wanna keep going into every... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think... Um, I don't know how to segue from that. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. And I think, because um, I did a whole episode on QHHT and it, it has that sort of quality about it, like you discover it and it just opens up this whole can of worms or this whole 
like other world um um yeah like even when i've shared it on social media i'm like you know check out dolores cannon's youtube channel like this is a rabbit hole you want to go down like oh my gosh right not not just the rabbit hole of dolores cannon taking a class and meeting the people because i'd i'd always been seeking a tribe i felt i just felt out of place anywhere i was i always felt out of place and I could never find my people. And I would find a group and they would feel like my people for a little bit. And I'd find out it wasn't what I was looking for. There was something off, there was something still I was, I was, I hadn't found my tribe yet. And when I found QHHT and had that first class and met the people in the level one class, those were the people I was looking for. And then level two happened. <laughs> Up-leveled. <laughs> and up-leveled, right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, amazing. I love being, and it, you know, everyone describes it as the, the QHHT family. It feels like such a beautiful family. So, yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I can see how you were sort of concerned on <laughs> taking up all the time with, the, with your own story because... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, your story is amazing. And, I like, I know parts of your story that... I think would be so beneficial for people to hear. So I would love it if you kept sharing your story, um, you know, on your own platform. I think it'd be so wonderful to pe- for people to hear that. I'm a massive believer in sharing your story. And I love that about QHHT is that it fully encompasses that um, in that interview section. Absolutely. That's how we grow. It's how we help each other by sharing our stories with each other, sharing our experiences because everyone has a different perspective of an experience. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So, so you've had a couple of QHHT sessions on yourself now. What is mm. one of the most profound experiences that you have had with a quantum healing session? Right. So I've had three sessions and it's really hard to pick <laughs> one moment or one thing that happened. That's profound. I mean, I've had a lot of wild non-human lifetimes from being a bird being to water being to extra dimensional archivist to a planet to a creator of planets. (laughs) It's been all over the board. But I think just um, in that first session discovering my life path or redirecting my life path, that, that was the most profound thing that happened. And that led me to pursue QHHT, which led me to Egypt, which just blew everything out of the water and completely rocked my world. <laughs> so I think, I think just getting to Egypt through QHHT was probably the most profound experience. I mean, it's, it was just such a magical experience that most people wouldn't believe and and don't believe half the things. I, I don't tell them half the things that happen because I know they won't believe them. <laughs> but I know, uh, so in Egypt, in the session, I had a QHHT session in Egypt. That was my third session. And before that, I was aware of channeling, but I'd only seen it through a YouTube, someone channeling on YouTube. And in Egypt, that was my first experience in person multiple people channeling and then in my session 
I started channeling <laughs> and I met different spirit guides I have and channeled them and just created that bridge and that pathway. And now I'm able to, to, to connect that way on my own. And I've been developing my own channeling ability. It's still not as strong as I'd like it to be, but it's, it's just a thing different than I expected it to be. Yeah, it's amazing. QHHT, there's just no, like, there's just no boundaries. You just have no idea what to expect. Every one session is going to be different. And then to, to, to study it and have that opportunity to have multiple sessions as well is yeah, very, mm. very cool. Highly so, recommend multiple sessions. Yeah. One yeah. is not enough. <laughs> and I did find that my second and third, I was able to get into the hypnotic state easier and let my thinking mind, the monkey mind, kind of sit in the back seat a little bit easier and a little bit better each time I did it. So yes. Yeah. The definitely. more stuff you have, the, the the better it will be for you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your YouTube channel that you host with our good friend, Michelle, who we also met in Egypt. So what is the intention with the YouTube channel? Well, I've always had this unrelenting fascination with UFOs and extraterrestrials and ancient astronaut, the ancient astronaut theory. I don't know if you're familiar with that theory. No, that's not. You know, the, the, uh, <laughs> history, the history channel show. Yep. Ancient aliens. Yes. So that's where that that theory was developed, or at least proposed to me. And I was a huge fan of that show. That that kind of got me starting to think this way and looking into things and looking into, you know, ancient Egypt and all these different sites. As I kind of went on along my awakening journey, I began to discover more more about extraterrestrials. And my understanding of that keeps evolving. And I want to share that exploration with others. But through the YouTube channel, the main purpose is really to map out our galactic heritage through the cosmos and help with those energies that we're connecting with, help raise the collective vibration of humanity and create a bridge for the human collective to have open contact again. I mean, we had it in the past <laughs> and it is in our future. And it's also just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love like your reaction when, when certain energies come through, like even like I, I've kind of, I think it was Egypt that I was kind of, you know, like I've always been about the fairies. So I've been talking about yeah. fairies being real and, and having incarnated lives within the fairies for years now. Um, but I think it was Egypt that I was kind of like, well, fairies are kind of like a, like an extraterrestrial sort of being in a way, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah just, um, you know, um, <laughs> mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowing statements. So let's take it a notch back because some people <laughs> listening are still, and even before, before before Egypt, I was probably still in that, like questioning, you know, uh aliens real like you know is there life on other planets because obviously it's not something that is shared in the mainstream media it's not something we're like taught in schools or anything it's right. just this big secret but that's where it starts yes Question, questioning <laughs> it so can you explain 
the extraterrestrial beings that you have discovered so far, maybe just like a little overview for, for people that have never heard of this before. Okay. Oh, just in general or specifically who I'm connecting with? Like specifically, because I guess, I guess one, one name that might sound familiar for people is often the Pallades are, are a sort of big topic group. Like a lot of people are talking about being connected to the Pallades or being a Pallades incarnate. Um, so, yeah. Well, the thing about that is the Pallades is enormous. I mean, there are seven stars in that system that we're calling the Pallades. So the amount of beings that are present there in different dimensions, it's, it's staggering. You can't even put a number on it and what those beings look like. Because in general, I think people cl classify a Palladian as a really good-looking, like, blonde person. And that's they kind of been stereotyped that way. But really, there's so many different kinds of beings that come from the Pallades. And oddly enough, we haven't really connected with a Palladian being yet on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting <laughs> they're too they're too spiritually mainstream he's a going a bit more alternative <laughs> right. well that's fitting <laughs> that's very fitting um well we have connected strongly with the mantis collective and they are what are they an eighth eighth to like eighth to eleventh dimensional uh range of collectives and beings that basically look like a praying mantis evolved billions of years <laughs> and uh they've been involved and in, you want me to get into how how they each are contributing we or, we could probably do a whole episode on probably, on yeah. like different beings and stuff but i definitely will link in your youtube channel so that people can go further into this so um, right. but even the mantis beings the indigenous Australians, depending on what part of the of Australia they, but they they communicated with the mantis beings. So even right. though it might sound like a bit of a strange concept to imagine that there's these because they're giant mantis right. like humanoid beings, is that what they or they're they're just more yeah. like giant praying mantis? Well, yeah, they're insectoid type being. Yeah, and but, actually, there's there's many. Um, different native cultures that have they have depictions and they talk about working with other insect beings specifically the ant beings I don't know if you've heard of them no I haven't yes it's an inner earth race of ants like the Hopi tribe they talk about the ant beings and I've even heard um, ancient Egypt they were prevalent there and they may have had a hand I heard a channeler um what's her name she's a very famous channeler something grace sophie grace she's on guy in a guy network she has like curly red hair you okay. know what i'm talking about no i haven't come across her well she channeled about ancient egypt and in her channeling and with all channelings if it doesn't resonate throw it away if it resonates then use it but everyone's perspective is different and everyone has an ego filter that they're channeling through so you can't you can't give up your, your own power and accept everything that a channeler is telling you. But her, in her channel material, it was 
relating to the ant beings and them having a hand in creating the pyramids. Wow. Which is, which is interesting. Yeah, so yeah, the ant beings, which we haven't, we haven't connected with those guys, but that's an inner earth being. But I also, I did want to just clarify the term extraterrestrial. It kind of gets, it's kind of a blanket term, really. But extraterrestrial, just basically in its definition is a being that's not of earth origin. So we kind of lump things in as an extraterrestrial when they're really just an extra dimensional. I kind of like that better. Right. Extra dimensional. Because these inner earth beings, you're calling them extraterrestrial, but they're from earth. Mm, you know course. what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. In the whole enchanted realms. So extra dimensional, I've kind of resonated more with that. Yeah, I love that. And this this right. is all the things that I'm like, have learned so much from you over the last, how long has it been? Like eight or nine months since Egypt. So it's all oh like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But one of the, one of our first conversations in Egypt, I remember you asked me if, I, I, I don't know if it, that was how you asked me, but you sort of opened up the conversation around if I, if I believe that we sort of, shared our universe with other beings however however it was that you worded that I can't remember and basically I responded with um I believe I I had a belief that I had an abduction experience and Mm. and then you you sort of spoke about like that terminology of abduction and alien so can you expand a bit on on our terminology on things yes Yes, yeah, so I I kind of stopped using the term alien. I just felt this negative connotation with that term. And like I just said, I kind of, I've been gravitating towards the extra dimensional. But you can call, I mean, I don't think they, they're not taking these things personal if you call them an alien. <laughs> they're much more evolved than that. But um, also you could call them a galactic family member or star beings, star family, all these kind of things. But yeah, the, the abduction phenomenon is interesting. And there's so many layers to that. But uh, it's kind of convoluted, actually. But we did get into that in an episode with the Zetas, the Zeta Reticuli. Because it, most abduction stories involve a Zeta being, or a gray. They call them grays, the typical gray. And I don't know what happened in your abduction experience, if you remember a being being involved. Yes, there was definitely a being involved and my, like, I I believe that my conscious self sort of made that being look like something that was more acceptable for me. So it was kind of almost like a dream state, you know, like I went to sleep and again, we could probably do whole episodes on these (laughs) topics. So it's just kind of like an introductory (laughs) topic. Um, But it's like, yeah, I went to, I went to sleep and I had what appeared to be a dream, but when I woke up in the morning, it felt like I had left my body and my body itself felt different. Hmm. And the being that showed up in my dreamlike state actually appeared to me as David Bowie. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, all sorts of things happened in that dream, but it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, like I, I woke up and I, 
I didn't feel like worried or scared or anything, but I was just like, that wasn't a dream. Like something happened there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's interesting because one of the things that abductions can be is your spirit guides or your higher self or your galactic connections giving you an upgrade. It could be upgrading your body or just checking in in that way. And, and they can make themselves appear a different way if, if they think it's, if it's going to help your interaction with them and not, not cause too much fear or anxiety or, you know. Yeah, 100%. Because I guess at that point, like I said, I've always been very detached from space. Like I remember learning about space in primary school and just sort of being like, oh, it's too much. Like I don't want to know anything about space or I don't even yeah. want to question. Like, and I, I just think that I just wasn't ready for that. And yet yes. it all, that all changed in Egypt. It was very much, there was a lots of conversations around. And then of course, like there was a, a channeling in our class <laughs> so, right. and we were all like activated together within the class so so I was I wanted to ask you have you since that abduction have you felt into that at all or done any work around trying to connect with what happened I haven't I don't think I really have recently and and I think we've talked about that since then and since Egypt I've been more open to that and open to yeah. Um, that communication and connection. So I've definitely had maybe two or three other experiences. And again, they're kind of like, you know, I go to sleep and, um, but I, I sort of more go into it with permission. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, if anyone wants to make contact with me, I'm open to that tonight. And I've definitely seen visuals and whether it feels like a dream or whether it feels like I'm in that theta state, like just before I fall asleep or, you know, that, that theta state and I feel like I can feel something or see something in my actual bedroom. Um, but as you know, like every time I tell you something like that, you're like, what did it look like? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, um, it just, I'm more focused on what the energy felt like rather than the yeah. visual. So yeah. Yes, it's definitely like, like I said, I'm learning so much from you and Michelle on all of this because otherwise I'm just, I have no idea. <laughs> and you can set the intention before you go to bed to wanting to connect in that way and asking for clarity on it and to bring it back with you. Like asking your guides, asking your higher self, whatever that may be. Definitely try to play around with that intention setting before bed. Yeah. And definitely. even if you have a journaling practice, I've, I've found that using that as a tool to connect and, and retain memories or uncover memories, that's, that's been pretty beneficial for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's for something sure. you can play with too. Just, you know, see what comes out. <laughs> yeah. Or channeling since you're able to channel pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, my, my channeling abilities are nothing on Michelle's and I am getting Michelle on to an episode on the podcast in a few episodes time. Wonderful. But um, also in Egypt, another thing that we were taught was there was a few people within our class and then somebody within our beautiful fairy family who taught us how to see, like, how would you describe it? How to see or communicate with like UFOs or beings in the sky. 
Is there mm -hmm. a way that you can explain that better than me? <laughs> well, yeah, connecting with your, I, I would say that what we were connecting with were beings that knew us, that were connected to us. Those are usually the ones that are going to show themselves to you. And so she was saying, look around the moon and look at the stars around the moon. And they like to hide as a star because many, many of these ships, they, they just appear as a star, a light that we can't, you can't see details. It's so far away. So it looks like a star and they'll hang out in clusters and actually pretend to be a constellation. So she was saying, focus on them. And I think she said something about calling out to the extra terrestrial or extra dimensional or however you want to call it, calling out to them, opening yourself up to them and honing in on one of those stars. And you'll, if it is one of these beings or a ship, it would start like wiggling and moving around and you're going to get feedback in your own intuition. If, if there's a connection happening, which we were, we were all getting that kind of, those kind of clarifications. But I think you even had an experience where the, the, the actual star disappeared. Is that right? Yeah. So what happened is when we were on, we, we spent out most of our nights in Egypt on the roof, like a rooftop restaurant <laughs> and looking up at the stars. And as our friend Sky was, was explaining how to do it, I was, yeah, just looking up at this, at the stars. And there was definitely one that caught my attention. And what happened is it actually like lit up. So it went from being this small star to just like lighting up, like, you know, if you can imagine a star's like this and then it just goes and, and then it just disappeared. And I was like, Oh my God, I just saw one. it was so exciting. So we, we call that a power up. Right. And they do that to communicate back with us. Power up. Yeah. So I've been looking out for that ever since. And then it finally happened again, just, just the other night. So yeah, I definitely recommend anybody, you know, switch your TV off, get outside at night and just look up at the sky. Yeah. Not enough people look at the sky. No. They kind of take it for granted. Don't they? <laughs> yes. It's yeah. Everyone's looking down at their phones or yeah, just watching TV. Whereas you have a whole whole universe of entertainment <laughs> right at your back door. <laughs> Netflix has nothing on the sky. Mm -mm. <laughs> so one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the podcast is I have never, so you've, you've talked a little bit about opening up yourself as a channel and we haven't exactly explained channeling. So I don't know if you want to explain that briefly for anybody who has no idea what we're talking about at all when we talk about channeling for one do you have a good definition well, let's see i don't know if i do have a good definition well channeling is something that we all do daily i mean we are and this might trigger people with belief systems but from my understanding we are not our human body we are something beyond our human body. Our human body is just containing a small aspect of our larger self. So in that sense, we are always channeling that higher part of ourselves. And there's, it's coming through a filter, which we call the ego. So this little ego filter is filtering out that, that channel that's happening. So the more work we do on ourselves with our ego, taming our ego, calming our inner thoughts, 
working on our on our shadows, doing all the integration work, it's helping us to create a clearer channel, basically. Yes. So we can channel our higher selves, we can channel our guides, we can channel by automatic writing, <laughs> we can open like, um, so the way that people would describe Michelle's channeling is like fully in, embodying the the beings or the spirits that she's working with. Right. Yeah. And there's so much more to that. There's, yeah, that's definitely a little. Just I think she would call herself a conscious channel. Yes. Because she's always aware of everything that's happening. And I'm not sure how she experiences it, but I know she's very present as the channel's happening. At any moment, she can pop out and pop back in. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I channel, I have to rewatch it because I have no idea what so I record it and I like what happened and then I'll yeah. learn things, you know, and you know, Michelle's doing the same thing. It, you know, she's she like it's not this is not information that she's stored somewhere. It's it's yeah, like a <laughs> No, and I think I mean, I'm sure she'll get into all this with you, but I know she's been guided to not look at certain channels, channelers works to keep that pure. Yeah. A clear channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which I think that's my downfall because I've done too much research at this point. Mm, that's a good point. So <laughs> yeah, there's this strong, infiltrated. <laughs> yeah, stronger level of questioning something, especially if information came through and it conflicted with something that you've read or watched or something like that. But, but I think it, has helped my channeling because with in my case the channeling is more coming with in the form of questions and because of all the research I've done I think gives me an, a good foundation to ask questions from but exactly. many times the questions that are coming to me are not from not from me completely <laughs> yeah and that, so that's what I was going to get into is is this amazing ability that you have to channel questions which I think for one as a QHHT practitioner because there are literally thousands of QHHT practitioners all over the world and the training that we receive is is definitely amazing but Dolores always says it's all about the questions and yet oh you kind of can't be trained how to ask questions. So the fact that you've got this amazing ability to channel the questions is super incredible. So if you want to, if you're able to get into that a little bit, maybe talk about like how you're able to do that. <laughs> if that's something that we can tap well, into. Okay. I do think everyone can do that because it does come down to having a clear channel, having done that inner work and getting into a state of flow. Cause I think that's kind of what happens is I'm in the, I'm in a flow state and I'm also setting an intention. So when it comes to QHHT, I'm setting an intention before the session happens that I'm here to hold space for this person that's coming in here to have this, this experience because it's them having the experience. I'm not doing the healing for them. I'm just holding the space for them. So the intent is very important. And I strongly believe in being an advocate for the client and making sure they get the most out of the session. So strongly. So I think just that, that really strong intention and then being in the flow state and having done inner work and 
being able to to be ego as egoless as possible in that in that situation because you really you have to allow them to be vulnerable and if you're showing signs of having a strong ego they're not going to feel safe to be vulnerable so i think when all those things kind of line up the questions are just they're floating there for me to grab <laughs> they kind of fall into place i don't know i don't there's no trying or pushing or seeking i'm not reaching for them there's just some like there's just an allowing really so it's just it's it comes down to i think being in the moment being in that present moment being there with that with that client or whatever the scenario is for that person that's looking to ask questions just being in that present moment and being as much in a flow state as possible just no pushing no resisting because the resisting the more you push against it the more resistance you're going to get back and yeah, I'm going to be spinning my wheels trying to come up with questions and just burning time. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's, it's not quite possible to channel without being in that flow state. So if you're overthinking, then you're going to, you know, not, not be in that flow state and not allow those natural questions to come through. And I guess hearing from different people's experiences with QHHT, you know, yes, they might come to their session with a list of questions. And of course, as a practitioner, you want to make sure that they've got all those questions answered. But then it's interesting with a lot of people's SCs, they kind of give you a little bit and then you, you actually need to like dig a little bit more and say, oh, yeah, tell us a bit more about that <laughs> right. rather than just getting that surface answer. So, and and I think like having the list of questions can can make you sort of overthink in, in a way. And I've definitely experienced that within my QHHT sessions that I've done for people as well as different interview experiences is like, I've got my question sitting here, but I also like, if I'm focused on what question I'm going to ask next, I'm going to miss very important stuff in the moment. So. Right. And don't be afraid to get creative with the questions because sometimes you got to sneakily work around the SC. Yes. Almost, I've had to trick them sometimes. <laughs> To give a to give a healing like a physical healing because they were so adamant that no we can't do that yeah for one one example i i just could not get the sc to give this person a healing they just wouldn't do it no he's not ready can't have it so i i said something on the line of can we show him how to do this himself can we show him what to do and what that would look like and then they just started doing it <laughs> And what needed to be healed was healed by showing him how to heal it. Yeah. It's so amazing because I've definitely had a few sessions where the SC has has stated that no healing was possible. So it's, it is really interesting how some people can be a bit stubborn. And even myself, even like looking back to past healings that I've experienced, I remember once I, I was getting this like forensic healing and she's doing this healing and she's going, oh, there's so much, there's so much that needs to be healed. And in my mind, I could hear myself even being like, yep, and I'm not going to let you do it. Like I felt that within me that I was holding onto it. And that's all it is, isn't it? That they're, they're just holding on to that. Um, I don't know what you'd explain it. Like that trauma or that um, just keeping themselves back, really. Well, 
Yeah. And it, it, it could be an identity thing. Yes. Because if you identify if you identify with that trauma, well the prospect of letting go of it could mean who are you now? I don't know who I am if I let go of that. So that might be part of the mechanism that's holding on to that that thing in that moment. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, probably a bit of bit of a story story of my life there with that mm-hmm. victim <laughs> victim identity. <laughs> so um, so, I think we all swim in those waters every once in a while. Yeah. The, the victim waters. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, I don't know what it is about the victim. It's like, it's, it's not a nice place to be in, but it's definitely, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's definitely something that I have gone through within my life and, you know, even just received a healing the other day and, you know, still letting go of that victim. Like, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's interesting the time that we're being presented with at the moment. You know, we went from like meeting each other in Egypt and being like, oh, what an amazing time to meet. Like out of all the lifetimes that we've shared together, like this is going to be great because we can just quite easily jump on a plane and visit each other. And then uh, global lockdown. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, that's been super interesting. And I guess in this time more than ever, it's been so apparent how important it is to question everything that we receive. So I guess I want to switch that questioning, you know, that, that ability to, to question things in that scenario. So for everyday people, you know, how can we like, I guess there's a conditioning that's been happened within, within school. And even especially if you've come back, if you've come from that religious background, I know that I, um, I used to go to like Sunday school and different things like that. And I remember going through sections of the Bible and they would say like, this is the way it is. And I would say, but why? And the nun that was teaching me was just like, it just is. We don't question it. You know, so like for those people that have had lots and lots of those experiences, lots of that conditioning, do not question, you know, especially, you know, this person knows more than you. This person is the expert. This is a doctor or, you know, like there's don't question them. So what do you say to all of that? What can we do to, to be able to question the life and the experiences that we're being presented with, especially right now? Well, I like to look at it like giving my power away. If I'm not questioning and taking things at face value, I am powerless. And I very much want to stand in my power and know I have control of my own life. And that has led me to question everything. And I think it's healthy to question things and just look at things logical. And take, your, take a step back and look at it objectively, if it makes sense objectively, because so much in our society does not make sense. <laughs> but if someone is, is not able to do that, I know when people live a really, really busy life and they get caught up in their, the life game, all the different mundane tasks that you get caught up in and you, you don't have any time for yourself to sit still and quiet your mind and think because I know I know people like that and they tell me 
they don't, they feel safer knowing that they don't have to question things and they just trust the people in power and trust the systems in place. And they have, they feel security in that. And for them, maybe that's okay. It's everyone is on their own path of awakening and it happens when it's supposed to happen for them. So I don't know what I could tell them. Well, I guess I feel like it's part of that spiritual journey is, is waking up and starting to question things actually like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent it. If you are on the spiritual journey, it is completely essential to question everything. So, you know, I was, I was talking to you about the Celestian prophecy um, and I want to do a whole episode on that, but that's actually the first insight is to, is to realize that what we've been presented with may not be everything. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, it's like how we were talking about that question with the, like the subconscious, you know, when they, when they give you a little bit and you say, Oh, tell me more about that. Like just simply doing that is completely, that's part of our spiritual journey is learning that this is a human experience and that we are spiritual beings and there's more to that. So, Absolutely. so, and I guess like something that's sort of coming to mind for me is when you're presented with those circumstances and especially like media is a hot topic at the moment, different things that are being shown on the media and you can go back over on different or particular topics. And one thing that is common within the mainstream media is they'll say, you don't need to question this. You don't need to look anywhere else. I, you know, we're going to give you everything that you need to know. You don't need to do your own research. Like that's, that's an alarm bell right there. (laughs) Big one. Or when something is posted, that's new, something comes to light that's new. And within 10 minutes, it's been fact checked by Mm -hmm. a fact checker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where and even it's the f- literally impossible to have done the research to fact check that within the time it was posted. Yeah. Yeah. Even these fact checkers, we could do a whole topic on that. Like, oh, so much going on. Yeah. <laughs> but during this lockdown, I, I have seen so many people that were kind of stuck in that, in that mode of not questioning and trusting beginning to look at things in question and it's amazing it is Some people in, in my circle that i've seen it my own family it's i love it yeah. and that has that has gotten them kick-started on their awakening on their awakening pass exactly and a major catalyst yeah because it's something that's so natural as a child you know they ask all the questions and it's always yeah. hilarious the questions that come through you know um what does that say that little saying out of the out of the mouth mouths of babes <laughs> they're so funny and then and then something happens in their life like like my little story there with you know doing sunday school and and questioning parts of it and wanting to know more like I, i'm like i don't understand and i want to understand it and i guess uh, you know we're the same in that area of that <laughs> we just naturally question things and we just just naturally couldn't take that that original answer it's like uh i i just want to know more about that actually i want to know everything so (laughs) i'm just trying to cram so much information yeah (laughs) it does become a problem though because if you're i have a problem integrating all the things that i'm researching Mm -hmm. and i get kind of lost in the 
the jumbled mess of info. Yeah, and and I, I've even read research on, uh, you know, apparently the more the more you know, the more likely you are to have experiences with depression or mental health issues. Like, there's definitely like it feels like there's almost. Um, a level and I've definitely had that experience is like I'll look into something and then uh, like realize I'm like oh wow this isn't great at all like there's a whole lot of things happening in this world that isn't awesome (laughs) and yeah yeah, so there's there's definitely this this belief that um, if you're naive you're going to be more happy but if you're not if you're not empowered then what's the whole point in all of this right (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is tricky because I do have friends and different people I know that they're more on that naive side, but they are super happy. So, so if it's that like, works for them. <laughs> do I burst their bubble or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. No. <laughs> Let them be happy. Yeah. But for anyone who wants to question things, yeah, we definitely support you in that. And yeah, I, I definitely in, enjoy my life more knowing knowing the things that I know to be true. And even that, like, you know, sometimes the question is actually your intuition just saying something's not quite right here. So one thing uh, that I, in a way, I didn't expect with Egypt, but then at the same time, I kind of did. Because as you know, as soon as I booked in Egypt, I got visuals of meeting meeting you and as well, well as meeting Michelle. And with Michelle in particular, I knew that she was connected to the fairies. But one thing that I didn't expect was actually meeting a whole group of people that was connected to the fairies and like creating our little little fairy family over in Egypt. How so, magical was that? <laughs> like the most random thing <laughs> for a bunch of fairies to come together in Egypt. Like what a random place to meet, you know? Oh, and that would have been the last thing I expected was to know I'm connected to the fairy realm. Yeah. So I wanted to yeah. ask you, so if, if you wanted to share some of your experiences around what you've discovered within the fairy realm or your fairy past life that you would like to share. I haven't really discovered too much about the fairy lives, but working with the fae, they've really opened me up to the magic that, you know, their magic as well as just my magic in general. And and that's, that's been wonderful. And I've been kind of conjuring them by putting up different little fairies in my house and making fairy doors. And through Michelle's channeling, they taught me how to create a fairy wand and, do, and have a ceremony around it. And so I have a fairy wand that I, I use <laughs> and I'll dance with. And just, yeah, their energy is, is so fun to be with. And it makes so much sense to me now looking back at my life because I'm, I'm a Gemini, so I'm this really flowy air sign and I'm always in the woods and I'm climbing trees and I love, I love plants and I love gardens and flowers. And it all makes sense now, learning of my connections to the Fae. <laughs> and it's really strengthened that and changed my experience with gardening and just being in my yard and being in the woods and I'm, I'm having 
this open dialogue whenever I go hiking, talking with the fae, talking with the plants, talking with the trees. But I did find that a connection I have is actually a, a guide or a council. It's a collective in the fae. It's a council and they call themselves, or we, we call ourselves, the Council of Joy. Right. And they're, they're one of my main guides. I haven't heard about them because I was going to ask you, so, so you mentioned in your QHHT session in Egypt the, um, that you started channeling and you were, you were actually channeling the Fairy Collective. And yes. obviously you're very connected with the fairy collective. I didn't even know that there was a whole collective. Like there was so much that I learned about the fairies in Egypt. <laughs> so tell us, did you want to share more about this other, what is it? The council of joy? Council of joy. Yeah. So that's uh, one of my guides is this council of joy. And at first it took a while for me to hone in on, on what that was because they would, I think you've even like tried feeling into my guides and you're like, I don't know how many you have. Sometimes there's this painting and sometimes there's more and they're coming and going. And that's how I see them. They're everywhere. There's so many in the middle. I'm like, we have to shrink it down and I have to focus on one. So we, I see them as one now, but they represent the council of joy when I see the, the one. <laughs> wow. That's so but special. I think, I think just having, I don't know, it, it makes sense just the, the disposition I have towards life in general, that I'm part of this council of joy, because it just, I do resonate with that strongly. And just being that light of joy in, in, situ, in I don't know, as many situations as that can be in. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's not there. <laughs> Well, I've definitely okay. never seen you as a Debbie Downer, which is why it's been very inspiring. <laughs> like, gosh, she's so happy, even though <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole of Earth is like going up in flames. <laughs> I'm just dancing with the Council of Joy over here, doing <laughs> <in> circles. <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hope that doesn't come off like I... I don't know, in my own little world. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I get that. I think, you know, to, to especially have that type of energy as a guide, I do believe that, you know, we're all here for different purposes. We all have different roles. You know, there are people playing the role of the bad guy right now in the, in the 3d earth, you know, there's, there's the, you know, the people like me, which is, you know, I can, I can definitely, resonate with that darkness like i'm i'm okay in that space which which is good for those people that are really in that dark darkened space and then there's people like you that are just up here and they're like life is good it's all good <laughs> like we're gonna be What's fine you know is i am not afraid to go into the dark spaces i've done a lot of deep dives into the dark research i'm not i'm like i'm not afraid to go there at all I actually feel, I feel very comfortable there too. But just, yeah, just, I don't know, just the natural tendency is to go high. Yeah. No, there's nothing. <laughs> but wrong it with does that. help seeing, just seeing from all the perspectives and seeing, you know, the story playing out and the, the polarity and duality that's here. Not yeah. getting attached to it, not getting caught up in the stories. I think that's, that's what's helped me kind of, yeah, not 
attached too strongly one way or the other. Yeah. And even um, like I know that it's been really helpful and beneficial for me to have, you know, people like you in my life where I have been very much in that dark space. And then it's almost like, you know, you're holding the light for me as I'm holding the light for others. It's really, yeah. I love that. Mm. Here to hold the light. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about past lives. Can you share any experiences that you've had exploring your own past lives? So, because, yeah, as you mentioned, you've done a few quantum healing sessions. You've also explored your Akashic records. So what is something that has improved your life from exploring your past lives? Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Well, initially, it helped realign me with my spiritual practices that had fallen away. And, I mean, that in itself was amazing to have that come back without needing a substance outside substance and experiencing it myself and that really empowered me having that experience come from me and not not the practitioner not yeah not not a substance whatever It, it came from me so that was really empowering and it gave me the experiences i had in that first past life regression it gave me the courage to eventually quit my full-time job and really pursue my true passions of helping others heal and helping others heal themselves really. And holding that sacred space and learning that was my true calling because there's looking back, there'd be like little conversations I'd have with people and they would drop something to me. And then be a, just a, a breadcrumb, a little puzzle piece. And I had someone say that to me that um, this, my ability to listen and be present with someone telling me something, because people would just randomly tell me their life stories all the time. It happened. I mean, this is consistent with most QHHC practitioners. But yeah, and, they would tell me their life stories. And, and I never put that together. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I had one conversation with a person that was like, this is healing. You're a healer. Cause I was adamant that I was not a healer adamant. Now, I'm not a healer. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what I, that's not what I'm meant to do. And just hearing that perspective from that person, cause they experienced healing from me just listening to them. And this was way before QHHT for me. So I didn't put the piece together until my past life regression <laughs> and it all just clicked. It all just clicked. But it, uh, uh, it also helped me get out of my comfort zone and push myself to create the YouTube channel because I could always see it in my mind's eye and me being out in, the, in like the public eye like that, I could see it happening, but I was res- so resistant to it. I pushed against it. <laughs> Didn't have the courage yet. <laughs> but the past life regression really, really helped in that way. Yeah, amazing. Those are some very profound things that you've gotten out of just exploring your past lives. Because, like, yeah, I, I always, I've always really recommended that people explore their past lives, especially once you're going down that spiritual path and you're doing all this work and there's still something. You're just like, I feel like I've done all the healing 
in my life and the experiences that I've had. And then you're like, oh yeah, I've had a whole bunch of other lives that probably yeah. need to be connected to this one. So, and, right. and of course, and like, I feel like I, you know, that I'm completely aligned with your answer there. One thing that I, so the first time that I did the Akashic records, I actually got a snippet of nearly all like, well, we've probably had like hundreds and thousands of past lives, but I actually explored like 10 very briefly, 10 lives very briefly in a meditative state and basically just like the end of my life. So I got to, got to meditate and witness all my deaths, <laughs> which was pretty oh, wow. cool. <laughs> but actually something that I realized in, in getting a snippet of all of those past lives was that in every single one, I was some kind of a healer. And in this lifetime, I also didn't really resonate with that healer. I'd, I'd never been really interested in doing energy work or Reiki healing or anything like that. And then, you know, of course, working in mental health, people tell you things and you're just that safe person. And that's all, that's all QHHT is, is just a safe person to, that, that holds space for somebody while they do all the work. It's right. so amazing. I kind of see a QHHT practitioner as a shaman. There's, there's a consistency there with the two where you're guiding, you're just, you're, you're this guide in the astral realm. You're able to have a foot in and out. Yeah. And, and even like the more I'm learning about shamans is it very much fits in with the fairies as well. And what the fairies role within ourselves is, is very much that guide and that, um, that guide around joy and play and yeah. <laughs> Many shamans work with the Fae. Yeah, of course they do. Which I've just discovered. <laughs> <laughs> because when I first started my journey and I was, I was, I found my awakening through psychedelics that was leading me to the shaman route. And I was like, Oh, shamanism. That's interesting. I could see myself being a shaman and working with like, plant medicines that way. And it's so funny how it's taking me to this route, but there's this, this parallel with the two. Mm. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so I'd love to talk a bit more about the ego because it's something that's men been mentioned a few times in your responses. And we've mm. definitely had some very interesting conversations on your take of the ego. So would you be able to explain a bit about that, about the ego, the role and, and yeah, sort of the role that the ego plays? Well, we kind of talked about us being this human container holding a very small part of our larger self. That's spiritual. That's, that's energy. So this ego, I see it as this mechanism that's necessary while we're in the earth plane, this 3D realm, because when we came in, we came in with the agreement of forgetting our godliness and our connection to source. So we needed a mechanism in place and it's meant to protect us. And this is how I see it. It's meant to protect us from all the ways that we've been hurt throughout all the many lifetimes that we've lived and all the many lifetimes that our ancestors have lived. Because when we come in, we come in through a DNA lineage 
we're not just picking up from where we left off, we're picking up from where all of our ancestors left off. And so the ego plays into all of that and it's, it's working with all that energy. But it, it really has our best interest in mind. It just, it's coming from a 3D perspective and not the grander perspective. So it can be a great ally and a great tool once you understand that. And I, I used to, I don't really resonate with the idea of killing the ego. I did come across that when I was going through my different routes of Buddhism and things and having an ego death. And I think that that ego death was different. Now I look at it, it was different than killing the ego. It was just for me to experience it dying and then be being reborn because every time something dies, something's reborn. So it's more just learning how to work with the ego and allowing it to be an ally for you. Not letting it, not letting it control the show because it wants to control the show. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I guess the concept of the ego was definitely a very important aspect during my, um, my more full on awakening time, which was just after I had my son mm-hmm. and, and I spent months, maybe even a good year or more of like, just like really unpacking the ego, going into all of the Dr. Wayne Dyer aspects of the ego. And I really, what I, what, what I understood of that at that point was that it was about releasing the ego and yeah, the, the death of the ego and then Egypt, of course, changed that because <laughs> um, it sort of came up within, you know, we all got psychic readings in, in Egypt and, mm-hmm. and I remember mine didn't quite resonate. And then later, while I was doing a QHHT session on someone else, you, you were all channeling the mantis beings, right. which like that was recorded. I'd love like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I definitely recommend, I'm going to link in your YouTube channel for people to check out, you know, Michelle channeling the mantis beings. Cause they are just amazing energies to yeah, be around and you can oh, feel okay. it even from a recording oh, okay. or especially when she's doing like a live channeling, you can feel the energy coming through your computer. It's like amazing. Yeah. Um, in Egypt, that was my first experience with the mantis beings. Yeah. And holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> but that directly led to me discovering my own mantis guide. And my own connections to the mantises. Yeah. The I don't know how you say that. Mantoids? <laughs> um, but I do remember that you actually asked the mantis beings why my psychic reading reading didn't quite resonate with me. And the response was that it was ego. And I was like, what? I don't have any ego. Like, I've been working on getting rid of that shit for ages. Like, <laughs> and then <Yeah>. hello, ego. <laughs> so, right. yeah. yeah, so it's actually not something that we can get rid of. And that's not the purpose in this spiritual journey is not trying to get rid of the ego. So every time we feel it, there's a purpose there. And, and just really unpacking, you know, what the message is for the ego. I'm so happy that it happened for you and you were able to really discover that because I was, I was thinking that when I listened back to that and I didn't, I didn't want to say anything to you because I want you to find it yourself. 
And yeah, it sounds like you did. Yeah. Because <laughs> even I think we were discussing it like later on. Oh, that's right. Because I actually didn't get to listen to the messages until I was, you know, back home. And, mm. and yeah, it was definitely like, I think anytime you're triggered, that's an e- that's a message from your ego. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason for it and there's something that you can unpack there. So I, yeah, I do really think that it's a bit of an ally like an underrated ally in the spiritual community. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and even, I do agree when you get triggered by, by something, it's a, it's a great opportunity to experience a growth moment and integrate something. Yeah. And even like being presented with other people's egos Mm. like you're just like oh that's your ego I don't want to talk to your ego but then yeah there's probably something in the person that's receiving that response from the ego as well like I do believe that everything sort of means something and we can unpack and every situation can come from a place of learning a lesson there yeah absolutely I see everyone around us and everything in the outside world being our mirror being a mirror for us reflecting back what we need to see because it's reflecting back what we're projecting out of our own self. So absolutely, every everybody you interact with, there's a chance to grow, chance to learn something. So another example of like terminology that I've loved your thoughts on is actually the term conspiracy theory. And I know this has sort of gone a little bit out of track, but I know it's a big, <laughs> a big topic at the moment um, as like this is the great awakening and there is people that this is all new to them and to be labeled a conspiracy theorist. Like it's so, so tell me what is your, so you, you taught me like who made that term up. So if you want to share that. Did I? I didn't even, I don't remember that. Really? (laughs) Do you not remember the conversation? (laughs) Did I say it was the CIA? Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Right, If you'd like to share that. That makes sense why you asked the question now. (laughs) (laughs) So there are people on the internet trying to debunk that, of course. Mm -hmm. But from my understanding, it was created by them back in like the late 60s, 67-ish. And it was a term created to discredit anyone who dared challenge the official version of their truth, of their truth. But I just came across, uh, you know, are you familiar with Buzzfeed? Yes. Yeah. So they just put out a new article rebranding that term specifically with the Q people Mm -hmm. related to the Q people calling them a collective delusion. (laughs) but really i that the term conspiracy theory like i wear that as a badge of honor at this point that that used to trigger me it definitely used to trigger me but now it's just i'm like there's there's been so many things that have validated and vindicated all the things that our us conspiracy theorists have talked about for ages so at this point if you if you call someone a conspiracy theorist, it's more just revealing your own ignorance. Yeah, definitely. And I guess I, um, there's definitely a lot recently that is new for me. And there's some things that 
I guess I was exposed to a couple of years ago, but I didn't go down that rabbit hole. I just sort of was like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, And especially when you've spent your whole life questioning everything, you know, of course you're going to like go down those and, and there's definitely some like, what, yeah, what you'd call conspiracy theories that don't feel like truth to me. Right. And even just that whole, like, what is truth in general? There's, there's a whole topic of conversation that we can have on that because my truth might be different to yours. Right. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting about that, I mean, that, that can be its own episode <laughs> because just this real quick an anecdote about a channeling I came across. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Rob, Rob Gauthier. Nope. Channels Ardith. Ardith and, we can, uh, we can definitely, um, if you want to send me a whole bunch of links to anything that you remember you've mentioned, and we'll put that all in the show notes for anyone who wants to okay. go deeper. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, he, he was channeling about the flat earth and that flat earth theory. And because there's so many people that believe in that. But it does. It comes down to what, what's true for you. Because we're all co-creating and creating our own realities. So if enough people believe, basically the channeler was saying, if enough people believe that and they traveled to the end of the, the planet, like they would, come, they would come to that whatever they, they suspect they're going to find, that ice shelf or whatever. Like that would happen for them. And their reality, that would happen for them. So yes, what is true? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I think that's the sort of the basis of, of all things that are true is, is that we are creating this, this world. And uh, I think part of it that I like to sort of talk about is, is a lot that we, a lot of the things that we aren't questioning is actually just a big fat illusion. So unless right. you do start questioning things, especially things that are, taught in school and these these common known things that like everyone just thinks is true and then you you actually look at the background and you're like oh how could that be true really (laughs) so well the thing is your your higher self the, the bigger part of yourself it knows it knows truth it's inherent so the more work that we do in ourselves and allowing that channel to clear and channeling our true essence the more we can trust our intuition and know truth for ourselves 100 percent. so now just tying things up what is your number one spiritual practice that you always come back to like whether it's something that you do every day or something that you just you just come back to every time because it works for you. So I had trouble narrowing this down to one. That's okay. You can share a couple if you want. I would say the the very most important one to me is my I call them my morning pages, and it's my journaling in the morning. I don't know if you want me to get into what what that looks like. If you want to, I guess I haven't really covered, you know, what, what our spiritual practices, you know, why do we do them and that sort of thing. But I do know that most people would know there's a whole bunch of things that we could do. Um, you know, you could, you could spend a good couple of hours doing all the spiritual practices. So I guess it's more about like what works for you and why. Right. 
And so the morning pages, that was the very first one I got into in my awakening. And the way I was instructed to do it is it's, there's really no rules around it. And that's, that's the important part. It's like to keep it very fluid, but it would be very early in the morning and you sit down and it was, it was proposed to me to be three pages, but it's really, if you can, if it's a page for you, whatever it is, whatever works for you, let it, you want it to work for you. You don't want it to be something that you like, re, you have resistance to doing. It's supposed to be as easy as, as possible. But the main goal of it is to just empty your mind. So you just like free, free flow consciousness, write anything, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. You have, you don't let yourself judge what you're writing, but you can, you know, let the emotions pour out too. If you're angry, be angry, but don't judge yourself. Just like, let it come out, let it flow out. That's how it started for me. And it just completely empties all that clutter in your mind and helps you throughout the rest of the day to not have that and have clarity. And it's kind of evolved for me where now I'm using it. I use it in that way still, but I'm also using it to express gratitude and really anchor me into the present moment. And it's been, it's been basically my way of channeling now, channeling my higher self and channeling different guides and different energies that are trying to communicate with me. It'll happen in my, in my journaling <laughs> because I'm clearing that clutter and that channel is being cleared and they're able to come through. Yeah. Beautiful. Some people refer to that as like a brain dump or yeah. yeah. And even yeah. Um, like the, it's called miracle mornings. Is it, is that what you got it from? I got it from the artist's way. Oh yes. I haven't read that yet. That's been on my list for ages, but um, yeah, the miracle mornings is like a list of things that if you do every morning, um, then it sort of sets you up for your day and it's kind of like, yeah. you know, to write. So a brain dump of some sort to read, to move your body. Um, what was the other ones? There's more, but I can't remember, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything oh, man, else that you want to So valuable to me? Yeah. Just working through where I'm going and yeah, it's not really as much a brain dump anymore. It's more expressing the gratitude and connecting with, my higher self and my guides. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to mention in that? Uh, spiritual well, practices? Medita med meditation and dancing. Those three things right there. Yeah. That's the yeah. trio. That's the trio. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And even that, Trinity. like, so many people don't even think of something like dance to be a spiritual practice. I didn't until Egypt. Really? Well, I guess that's not true. I guess that QHHT, the level one class, that, that kind of got me thinking that way because we would dance every morning before class started to raise the vibration. I know. I love that. And that I was love one dancing. Of my... I love moving my body. I love dancing. Yeah. I just never knew what it was doing. I never knew mm. what, how to actually use it to my benefit. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things because I did my level one online because australian all <laughs> um, 
um, that to go in person um, and to start your class just by, yeah, it was just the best. It just, yeah. And that's generally how I start my day is I just put some music on. So I don't really like get dressed to look good because you cover looking good in the landmark forum, which I always go on about. And again, I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on that. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't worry about looking good anymore, which, which came up in Egypt as well. I was like, do I look silly? Like, why are these people wanting photos with me? Um, how you feel. Exactly. I'd, I'd put on music and the music would sort of relate to how I'm feeling and I'd just move my body. And if, if I felt good and comfortable and then that's what I'd wear. So what is one thing that has helped you on your your spiritual journey? So this could be a healing, it could be a book, a quote, anything at all that was like a real like catalyst for your spiritual journey. So I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll mention it again. It was that book by Ram Dass, Be Here Now. And there was a quote that I that still sticks with me and still resonates even as I'm understanding more and connecting with these different energies it makes it just brings all these pieces together for me and the quote is we're all just walking each other home so simple that's beautiful and that that resonates so strongly with me Mm, i'll have to add it to my list of books to read highly recommend it beautiful so how can anyone connect with you? We also haven't mentioned where you're located because you do in-person QHHT sessions. So where are you located for that? And what's the best way that people can connect with you to possibly work with you or just follow along with your journey if they've loved what they've heard today? Well, right now I'm in Dubuque, Iowa in the States. And soon Sooner than later, hopefully in the next month, I'm going to be offering hypnosis online. Awesome. But as of right now, that's, that's still in the works. But the best way to connect with me is through my YouTube channel, Channels of the Galaxy. And then my Instagram, Uncle Z Alchemy. Those are the two best ways. I also have a Facebook, Z George. Trying to get better at using that. <laughs> I think Facebook's gone down anyway. So it's going down. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all Element moving off basket. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I will definitely link all of those. Um your your YouTube channel, your Instagram, and if you want your Facebook on there as well. Um yeah. Thank you so much. That'd be it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Yeah, thank you for making this time. It's been great. I don't want it to end. <laughs> right? <laughs> we need the, fair, the fairy, like, temporal bubble. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We should have, like, played with time. <laughs> so, oh, man. Could have made this a whole lot longer than what... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm so glad we got to cover all the questions and it's been wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Wow, what a great episode. I really enjoyed interviewing my good friend Z. It was such a joy to feel his joy. 
And I hope that you guys felt that as well. And I'm sure there was many, many golden nuggets in there for you. And so many things that will link in the show notes, the different things that he shared and still more for me to learn as well. Like I'm excited. So that's just great. And I really love interviewing people. The next few episodes over the next coming weeks, I definitely am going to be interviewing more and more people. I'd also love to hear your thoughts on on every episode and especially this one with Z. If you would like to head over to my Instagram, Spiritual AF the Podcast, and just drop a comment or send me a message and let me know what you thought about that. What are you getting out of this podcast? I love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow this podcast for more interdimensional conversations on all things life, death, and everything in between. And don't forget, if your wings have been clipped off, they can always regrow.